Good morning. Let's turn to um, 1 Corinthians for a minute. Probably keep a marker there in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. <clears throat> we'll be going mainly staying in chapter 1 and part of chapter 2. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then uh, going and looking at a few other scriptures. How many churches are there <clears throat> in this country? How many different denominations and uh, religions and sects and what have you? And it's quite a few, and then you take that and you go on the mission field and you see different things on the mission field. But in this verse here, uh, actually is what I want to talk about today, chapter 1, verse 17, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. And different churches, different people have a view or an idea of what it means to preach the gospel. Some churches... They believe that just because an individual gets up and reads from the Bible, uh, the church I grew up in, uh, they would have one individual who would read from the epistle, a few uh, scriptures, three, four, five, and then another individual read from the Gospels, and then the rest of the time they talked was about the offerings or what was going on and, and different things like that. And they consider that preaching the gospel. But I want to show you, Paul says certain things in chapter 1 and chapter 2 that are related to his preaching the gospel and what he considers preaching the gospel, how that should be brought out to individuals, to people, to a church. And there's one verse here. You know, Paul, if you look in Acts... Paul goes on the road to Damascus, and the Lord meets him there. We know the story. But later on in Acts, he's before Agrippa, and he recounts what the Lord did on the road to Damascus, and he's testifying to the Jews. And then you also see him going into the synagogues. In one instance, he goes with um, Barnabas, and they go into the synagogue, and they begin to teach. He's talking about, you know, what had taken place as far as Isaiah and their prophesying and how Jesus fulfilled that. And, and it was a big stir, of course, we know that. But I like this. In the beginning, it says here of, of Paul in chapter 13, you don't have to turn to this, is Acts 13, uh, 4, where Paul, it says, separate unto me Paul and Barnabas. You're familiar with that verse. And so... Later on, a few verses down, it says this, So being sent out by the Holy Spirit. And we know the verse in the Bible, in, in John 3, where it says, Unless you are born of the Spirit, unless you are born of the Spirit, you cannot go in, you cannot enter in, you, you can't move into this other area where the Lord wants you to be. And we, we know that's being born again. But the, the point is, being born of the Spirit, unless an individual is born of the Spirit, truly, they cannot preach the true gospel. There are many cults, there are many sects out there that preach and teach, but they preach and teach what Paul considers another gospel. And so in 
chapter 1 in Corinthians, he lays out a few things here. He says some things about his call, how the Lord has sent him out, and so forth, that I think are very, very basic or foundational to anyone, you know, giving the gospel forth. But in um, Exodus, let's turn to Exodus. I remember when I was a young Christian, and I shared this before, that I heard this individual in this, this church I was at, he was teaching sun, adult Sunday school. There was about 15 people there, and I sat, of course, way in the back. And I listened to him, and I thought, wow, this man can really, really speak. He was so elegant. Uh, he was, I would consider, an orator. He could just speak. It would flow from him. And I, I would listen to that, and I think, man, that's really something. And it wasn't too long after that, that same individual was, was one who led uh, opposition to the pastor and caused the church to be divided and caused all kinds of problems, people leaving the church, people left and never came back and served the Lord after that because of what went on. So whether a person can speak eloquently or not, the point is, are you and I as Christians able to hear the voice of the Spirit of God coming out from a person, because that is critical for us to receive from the Spirit what He wants, not some teaching about this or teaching about that. See, it's good to have teaching, but see, what is it that comes forth up here? That's the teaching, like in Sunday school downstairs with the kids, they, they see the story. But see, what this, the teachers to bring is something in spirit that the Lord has put in them, and that comes out underneath here, and that's what will touch and change and do things in an individual that just telling them the story won't. So it's, it's not just the message, it's the message and the life. It's not the anointing of the spirit, it's having an anointed life that makes the difference. And so in Exodus... This is chapter 4, verse 10. And we know that God called Moses to go to Pharaoh. And so Moses is called to preach the word of God to Pharaoh, to all of Egypt. In verse 10, then Moses said to the Lord, O oh Lord, oh my Lord, I am not eloquent, eloquent, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. Now, if we would hear Moses speak this morning, or if we would hear Paul the Apostle speak this morning, we might reject that because of the way they delivered the message. Paul said, I am rude of speech. You know, he wasn't an orator, but yet... What came forth came forth in the power of the Spirit, and it was able to change people on the inside. Not some message that I hear, and say, oh, that's nice, that's great, that's wonderful truth. But that the message was able to touch them in the core of their being and to change them so that they would never be the same. The people that Paul met on his missionary journeys and he established these churches, they were never the same, ever. In verse 13... 
But he said, O my Lord, please send by the hand of whomever else you may send. (laughs) Moses didn't want to preach. Moses didn't want to go. And there is many times I have seen this, that when a person gets saved, they want to rush to the pulpit, they want to rush uh, to leadership, they want to rush to teach before the Spirit of God works in their heart and their life. Moses did not want to go. The true call of God to preach and teach the gospel will go against the natural man, the natural inclination. It will go against what you want to do in your life. I never wanted to teach. I never, the last thing, I would rather have gone to war, go anywhere in the world, and be a missionary or whatever, the last the very last thing that I ever wanted to do was stand up before people. And I delayed it, and I said, Lord, I do not want to do this. And the Lord knew my heart, but I said, but nevertheless, if you want me to, I'll do it for you. And so the true call of God in a person's life will cut across what they want, I believe. And that very thing will cause them to overcome, will cause the Spirit of God to work in a way in their life that cannot be denied. So that when they do teach and preach and go out wherever the Lord sends them, that they they take something in spirit with them that is there to minister to people. So Moses didn't want to go. Jeremiah, what what a book. The Lord says, go and preach, but they're not going to listen to what you say. They're not going to listen to you. So after some years of preaching to the Jews, Jeremiah gets frustrated. You know, and of course, that would be normal. And he says, well, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm not going to teach. I'm not going to preach. And so in 20 verse 9, let me read this. This is Jeremiah. He says, Then I said, I will not make mention of him, nor speak any more in his name. That's what Jeremiah said, because of the resistance and and all that. But his word was in my heart like a burning fire shut up in my bones. I was weary of holding it back, and I could not. The Spirit of God working in him. And he gets back up and out, and he starts preaching to them again. Didn't want to. Didn't want to. Now, Paul says, I was called to be an apostle. You'll see that in a lot of his epistles. It wasn't what he wanted to do originally. He was out persecuting the the, uh, Christians, and then he meets the Lord And the Lord does something, and remember, he had a background in the scriptures. He studied under the feet of Gamelia. Gamelia? Yes. And, or Gamelia? Whatever. But he's he's steeped in the Old Testament scriptures, and now there's a basis there, a foundation for the Lord now to take something, put it in Paul, 
and then he, he's, eventually he goes out and he, he preaches. But he says, I was called. I was sent forth by the Holy Spirit. It wasn't my choosing. It wasn't necessarily what I would have chose for my life, but he went out and he did it. In 2 Corinthians, hold your place in 1 Corinthians. We're going to get there in a minute. 2 Corinthians 11, verse 6. Even though I am rude in speech, and that, that word rude there means unskilled, untrained. He wasn't trained in speech. He probably stumbled over his words many times or couldn't find the right words to speak, but... When it came to writing, where he could sit down, the Spirit of God came upon him, he wrote, and his, his uh, epistles were powerful. Uh, it says in 2 Corinthians 10.10, I'll read this from the Amplified. For they say his letters are weighty and impressive and forceful and telling, but his personality and bodily presence are weak, and his speech and delivery are utterly contemptible. Some people say they're of no account. It doesn't mean anything the way he speaks. That's what they said of Paul the Apostle. Now, there are things here in 1 Corinthians that Paul said accompanied him in his preaching the gospel. And I want to point some of these out to you. Start with chapter 2, verse 13. These things we also speak, not in words of man's wisdom, or not in words which man's wisdom teaches. See, it's not about what man teaches, about how to persuade people. I'm going to go out and persuade this person to the gospel. Unless the Spirit of God is moving you to do that, you're not going to persuade anyone. I've dealt many times with Jehovah Witnesses over the years, and I found out that unless the Spirit of God gives you a word, you can go to the Scriptures and show them this, that, and the other thing, but unless, and they'll, they'll look at it and so forth, but unless the Spirit of God gives you something specific, a word, something to do, you're not going to accomplish anything. It's going to be striving. It's going to be striving. So, I don't say much unless the Spirit of the Lord prompts me to say something, and especially when you're dealing with them. So not with words of man's wisdom, not eloquent, not uh, with this human philosophy or human reasoning. You're not going to persuade. Paul says that didn't accompany the gospel that I preached to you. No, something else accompanied it. Verse, read, read the rest of the verse here. Now we, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is of God. These things we also speak, verse 13, not in words which man's wisdom teach, but which the Holy Spirit teaches. So once again, it's the spirit of God in the person, and in, by the way, there are people who are not saved that believe they have the Spirit of God. They believe that because they were baptized when they were an infant or whatever, or whatever, 
or that they're in a particular denomination, because of that they have the Spirit of God, but that's not what the Bible teaches. Now, in chapter 2, Paul says this other thing accompanies the preaching of the gospel. Verse 2. For I determined not to know anything... Oh, excuse me. Yes, that's right. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. So Paul brought the message of the cross. And the message of the cross is not just Jesus hung on the cross and he died for me, he was buried and he arose again on the third day. That's true. That's part of it. But the message of the cross, and you see this in the life of Paul, was yes, Jesus died on the cross. But Jesus also said, unless you deny yourself and pick up your cross daily, your cross, and follow me, well... That's something different. See, so the, we, it's easy for me to preach the, about the cross where Jesus died. But I can't effectively preach, pick up your cross daily, with any type of authority and power unless I have done that. And so the preaching of the cross is both of those. Jesus said, deny yourself. And that means deny what you want. Oh, I don't want to do this particular thing, Lord. If I have to do that, that will kill me. Well, that's what it means. Pick up your cross. Paul says, I die daily. Doing that which I would never choose to do, but because the Holy Spirit has shown me, because of the calling of God in one's life, they go ahead and they do it anyway. And so the preaching of the gospel uh, that Paul talks about here, the message of the cross uh, or the preaching, as he says in verse 70, to preach the gospel is to contain that element, the cross that di Jesus died on and my personal whatever it may be that the Lord has called me to, both of them. So that is to accompany, because there are preachers that get up and they preach about all these different things and they use the Bible and then they turn around and they do other things in their life contrary to what they're teaching and preaching. Or they move over into sin and then they're going to get up from the pulpit and read or teach about not sinning. Well... If a Christian's sitting there and they don't have a discerning spirit and they're not hearing the spirit, then that's everything is fine. But if you're in tune with God and you're walking in His way in your life, then something that's going forth, you're gonna, it's not going to sit right with you. You're not going to be able to put your finger on it. But something's not right, and, and we've experienced that. Say, you know, everything that person says sounds right, but something's not right there. Now, I'm not talking about intuition. I'm talking about the Spirit of God. See, the, the Holy Spirit bears witness with your spirit or my spirit that we are the children of God or that we are, you know, moving in this right way. And somebody's over here and they're speaking and it's, it's like, uh, it's not 
not the doctrinal difference, not that at all. Well, they believe this, I don't believe that. No, not that. It's that in your spirit, there's just something there that you know isn't quite what it should be. And so there are a lot of people that, like I said before, they preach the gospel, they think they're preaching the gospel, and they're preaching something different. Now, in verse 3, Paul also mentions another thing, and this is a very critical thing that I can see in the scriptures that must accompany true preaching of the gospel. Verse 3, I was with you in weakness. With you in weakness. Everybody wants to pretend that they're always strong. I'm a Christian, I'm, you know, I'm going to confess it, I'm going to say, and I'm going to be strong. But see, that's not always the case in here. See, what's going on in here? Well, Paul, the great apostle, said, I was with you in weakness. I didn't want to speak. I didn't really want to do these things that I did. But I was with you in weakness. See, what's he say in another epistle? He says, then when I was weak, then I was what? Strong. Or when I was weak, then I became a powerful one. So having this, this weakness opens the door for the Spirit of God to use a weak vessel in great power. Using a weak vessel, he can, can flow through there and touch and minister to the hearts of people. The gospel contained within you. See, we shouldn't rise up and think we're something. We shouldn't rise up and, oh, we're, we're someone great. Humble yourselves in the sight of God. See, that's what we need to hear. Humble yourselves. Not that he will lift you up. Well, he'll do that. Don't worry about that. That's his job. That's his business. Humble yourselves before the mighty hand of God. I was with you in weakness so that the Spirit of God can come forth. So that's something that, that is to be in the true gospel. Uh, in 2 Corinthians, just turn there for a minute, 2 Corinthians 12, there are a lot of individuals who have self-strength instead of having God's strength. And they take the self-strength with them into the pulpit, and people think that it's great power and authority, and what it is is self-strength. And Paul says here in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9, And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. In what weakness? In his weakness. So the strength of the Lord can be made perfect in your, or mature, you could say, in your weakness. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew. They shall exchange their strength. So you, you don't have the strength, and you exchange that for his strength, and then his strength is what comes out, if you understand that. Now, go to chapter 1 in... Um, 1 Corinthians. Have you ever 
well, you can say witness or preached or, you know, you talk to someone. And, you know, once in a while you get people that, you know, reject what you say. And sometimes, you know, people are receptive. It just depends. But have you ever shared the gospel with someone and then they reject what you say and they reject you and they tell you that it's just stupid, it's foolish and, and all that? Paul says this. And this is one of the things that he experienced and went through. In verse 25, he says, Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men. He's talking about uh, the preaching of the gospel. is wiser than men. And the weakness of God is stronger than men. The weakness of God is stronger than men. So the gospel comes to an individual, they respond, and they become a Christian. And the weakness of God is stronger than men. Do you know how many men in history, thousands upon thousands upon thousands and hundreds of thousands, tried to squelch, or I mean, it's not a good word to use, they tried to overpower the gospel in an individual. And you can see this in the Old Testament where the Babylonian Empire came to power and at a certain point Nebuchadnezzar, he makes this decree that unless everybody bows down, we know the story, that they're going to be thrown into the furnace. And then later on, Daniel's thrown into the lion's den. And so the weakness of the gospel in men, other men who, who don't know the, the Lord, who haven't the gospel, uh, gospel in them, try to overpower that, try to uh, get that out of an individual by threatening their lives or whatever. The weakness of God is stronger than men, and we see that they come out of the furnace. And even, they said even if we don't, you know, we're going to serve God, it doesn't matter. Uh, and then you see the Roman Empire, emperor after emperor tried to, like Nero and others, and the Roman Empire persecuted the Christians in, in the second century, third century, trying to get them to leave the gospel, you know, just leave it down, don't, don't do anything with it, you know, recant or whatever. But yet the weakness of God the gospel placed in an individual is stronger than kings, queens, and so forth. There were many kings and queens in Europe who persecuted the Christians, the Protestants, and hunted them down and killed them and burned many, many, many at the stake. And even, uh, and I'm going to say the Roman Catholic Church because that was my background, the Roman Catholic Church was used, not by God, to put many, many thousands upon thousands upon thousands of Christians to death because, why? Because they picked up a Bible or they wanted to read for themselves the scriptures. That was their offense. They, they didn't adhere to what the church, the rules that the church had laid, laid down and they took them and, and killed them. 
And I want to just read some of this to you. This is from just a, a few sentences from Fox's Book of Martyrs. And this is just one area of Europe during the Spanish Inquisition. Does anybody know anything about the Spanish Inquisition? Okay, the Inquisition of the, the Church of Rome was, in, in its day, one of the most terrible engines of tyranny ever created by man. It may be said to date, from about the year 1200, when Pope Innocent sent his inquisitors among the Waldeans, they were Protestants, and other, what they called sects, differing from the Roman Church, and they continued to persecute them until 1808 in Spain. So the Spanish Inquisition was over 600 years, where the Catholic Church, and this is getting back to the scripture, and I'll get back to that in a minute, where the Catholic Church was, had, was able to have free reign in Spain to kill anyone who wasn't a Catholic. In its course, it totally crushed any Protestant living in Spain. Its final account number, this is under this Pope Innocence, 31,912 people burned alive and 291,450 imprisoned. That was under the one, this one Pope. Okay, and in 18 years uh, that the Domini Dominican monk Thomas of Torquemada, he led the Inquisition, 10,220 people were burned, and almost 98,000 uh, were punished with the loss of property or imprisoned. So these individuals had the gospel implanted in them, and Paul says the weakness of God is stronger than men. And the hundreds of thousands of people can testify that the weakness of the gospel in them was stronger than man. And they tried to tear that gospel out of them by killing them, by burning them to the stake. And, and there are quite a few testimonies of those who said, don't tie me to the stake. And when they lit the fire, they embraced the stake and kissed it. Now that's the power of God. Power of God. So the weakness of man is more powerful than men. Okay, verse 25. Because of the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Verse 27. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. Now, I actually looked at this, and once again, when you look at the Greek words, it, it doesn't indicate the word things anywhere in, in the Greek. So you could read it this way, but God has chosen the foolish of the world. And who do they call the foolish of the world? If you're serving the Lord and you're going to church, and you know, you're reading your Bible, and you're praying, and you want the best for other people, and you go in the workplace, who they, are they calling foolish? Maybe not to your face, maybe they might, but you know, they're thinking, they don't have a life. But they don't know we have the life of God, the life of Christ. So God has chosen the foolish of this world to put to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And 
This word, word, word here, foolish things, it's, the Greek word for that is uh, moros, and it means absurd. It means inconsistent with reason and logic. God is going to use those that you would not logically or you would never reason would be the ones God would choose. You know, you, you look at yourself. I look at myself and I say, Lord, why didn't you choose someone else? You know, I have nothing. You know, there are other people that are, you know, they have all these gifts, but the Lord doesn't look at that. He doesn't look the way we look. He doesn't look at the natural the way we look and judge many times. And so God will pick you, who other people will say, you know, you know we should just sweep them under the carpet. They're nothing. And when they say that, that's really great. Because you know what you want to be in God? Nothing. Did you know that? Enoch walked with God and was not. Or Enoch walked with God. That word there in the Hebrew means nothing. He was nothing. <laughs> so he, he got so low, God says, oh boy, I'm really pleased with that guy. I'm going to take him. <laughs> so he took him. So Enoch walked with God, and he was nothing. We want to be nothing. We want to be down very, very low. Best place to be. Because then the Lord can do something with you. Not, not necessarily, or not, I should say, not just with you, but he'll do something in you, and then he'll do something with you. So he's chose the weakness, excuse me, where are we here? God has chosen the weak things of this world to put to shame the things that are mighty. And Paul says, For if anyone comes and preaches another Jesus whom we have not preached or you did not receive, let that person be accursed. And I want to admonish you today to allow the Lord to move in your, in your heart, allow him to do in you maybe something he's been wanting to do for years and, you know, he's never had a breakthrough in your life. And that you would walk with God in his will and his way for your life, regardless of whether you want to or you don't, and walk with him so that he can begin to work in your life and bring you down, to bring you lower, to do something in you so that at a point in time, he can take you and use you to minister or preach the gospel containing some of these things that I talked about, you know, being in weakness, having your cross, and so forth. The gospel ministered, having contained those things, is very, very powerful. And so Paul says, if anyone preaches any other gospel, it's a different gospel. It's not the gospel that he preached. It's not the gospel that he was uh, ministering and, and writing about. See, it contained these things. See, we always want to hear the good things. You know, what we consider positive and what we consider encouraging, that's what we want to hear. To the neglect of yourself, self needs to die. 
you need to pick up your cross. You need to follow Jesus no matter what. You know, all these other things in the gospel that are just part of it that many times are not taught and preached. Oh, yeah, you can go to the Bible and you can pick out verses here and there and you can make up whatever you want to make up. You can say, oh, this is what Paul said, blah, 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 this is what he said. And you can totally, totally negate certain aspects of the gospel. When, in fact, Paul died daily. He died daily to what he wanted in his life, the direction he maybe wanted to go. And he went on four missionary uh, journeys. And I remember whenever the Lord sent me out, that was the last place in the world I wanted to go was the mission field. And then if it wasn't bad enough going to the mission field, I was going there to teach pastors. <laughs> and I wasn't a pastor. I said, well, what are you doing? What are you doing to me? You're killing me here. <laughs> They're saying, yeah, I am. I am. Last place I wanted to go. But yet... If I want to walk with God, which I did, then that's the path I had to go. And so the gospel, as far as you personally, will entail the loss of what you want to do many times. Now, if that's not there, then it's, it's missing something. And of course, I just went through what I saw here in 1 couple chapters of Corinthians. There are other things, too. Jesus said some things related to, you know, following him. Now, this is in 1 Corinthians 1, 26. And I want to read this from the Amplified. For simply consider your own call, brethren. Not many of you were considered to be wise according to human estimates and standards, and not many influential and powerful not many high and of noble birth. No, for God selected, he deliberately chose what in the world is foolish to put to, uh, the wise to shame and what the world calls weak to put the strong to shame. So if the Spirit of the Lord has his way in your life today, tomorrow, this week, next week, and you walk with him. He is preparing you with the elements necessary related to the gospel. First, he works in your life, in you. First, he works for you, actually. That's what he starts with. And he works to work in you. And then, when he has a good foundation there, he wants to work through you. And so as you walk this week and this month and this year, pay attention to the Lord's dealing with you in your circumstance because that is going to be one of the ways God is going to prepare you to preach the gospel, to give to others. It's the same thing. Give to others what the Lord you know, wants, what he has given you. You pass that through you to them. So pay attention to your personal circumstances because the Lord, you'll find out, things don't always go right for you. You know that. They don't always go the way you want, do they? Well, in those places, you can glean 
certain things from the Lord that you won't get anywhere, anywhere else. And he'll put things in your heart and in your spirit that will accompany you when you minister to others. Okay, thank you.